the Paranet Podcast, a Dresden Files book club. Welcome to the Paranet Podcast, episode 8. Today we're going to be covering um, chapters 19-21 of Stormfront, uh, doing a little bit of Paranet working, uh, covering some of the uh, new developments in the world of Dresden Files and Jim Butcher, Enos, and all of that good stuff. Uh, and uh, of course, you'll you'll be joined by your loving hosts Patrick Lunn and Rob Davis. There we go. Uh, cool. Yeah. Um, so, where to start? Well, we'll start with power networking because that's where we normally start. Uh, so, uh, power networking uh, this week. Um, it's quite a quiet week in the world of Dresden Files. Uh, probably because there's a lot going on in the world right now. Um, and while Jim Butcher is uh, incredible and Dresden Files is fantastic and uh, uh, the new book is coming out very, very soon, um, I think there is uh, a lot of priorities in, on people's plates at the moment. Um, that being said, uh, Jim Butcher uh, put out a, um, a little post on his website, uh, jim-butcher.com. Uh, last week uh, where he wanted to give a shout out to some of the great fan films that are made around Dresden Files. Um, now these are really really interesting, uh, I took some time and watched each of them uh, and you've got everything from uh, the Peace Talks official trailer uh, which um, we've already talked about before but uh, is super cool, involves several of the characters that are uh, all the way back in Stormfront as well as lots of new characters, lots of uh, professional actors in it lots of money spent on it, um, definitely, definitely worth a watch. Uh, but there's some other great ones, uh, there's uh, the official trailer for Skin Game, uh, which uh, if you uh, don't know, is the last book in the Dresden Files series, um, and has a similar sort of level of trailer to uh, the Peace Talks trailer. Um, this was made by uh, a crew of fans based in Denver, uh, and uh, they basically did a bunch of short Dresden Files uh, bits uh, and shorts and stuff. Uh, Jim Butcher then um, asked them if they wanted to make the trailer for Skin Game, uh, and they really uh, they really went for it, um, which is 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 fantastic uh, uh, and uh, well worth a watch. Um, then you've got uh, a Dallas-based film crew. Uh, uh, who have worked on two full-length Dresdenverse movies, Nightlight and Red Sun. Uh, these are awesome. Uh, they are they are fully fledged movies uh, set in the Dresdenverse. Um, and if you kind of fancy a bit of Jim Butcher action, especially while we're all on lockdown and we've all got a bit of time, uh, they are they're really worth watching. And and I will say that um. In both cases, the the amateur actors that are that are in this are really are really going for it, and um, definitely uh, it's of like a it's of a it's of a good quality. Um, definitely like top tier of kind of amateur level um, and worth watching. Um, and uh, that group is uh, that have made the uh, the Dresden films are now moving on to their own original projects. Um, and are starting to go more professional, uh, which is super cool, and, and it's great to see kind of the the fan community developing like that. Um, 
And then uh, the last one that we've got uh, that Jim Butcher has shared uh, is uh, Heath Harbour, um, director and star in a spectacular 10-minute fan film, uh, which debuted a- earlier this week called Hell's Bells. Uh, it includes lots of scenes that were had to be shot in quarantine, um, but it's a basically Harry being grilled by Chicago PD uh, early in his career, so that fits quite well in kind of Dresden Files. Um, and um, Stormfront particularly uh, and then uh, the last one uh, and this one I really really recommend because it's a load of fun um, it's called This Is War and it's a fan mashup of a bunch of different movies where what they've basically done is they've fan cast the entire Dresden universe pretty much um, and made the trailer for uh, like um, blockbuster Dresden Files motion picture uh, and um, it's got like apocalyptic monsters in it some that you'll recognise, some that are from uh, really old films or foreign films, all that sort of stuff uh, all intercut uh, with these fan casts and uh, basically what the, the people have done is uh, they've gone through every film that these fan casts have been in and mashed together um, conversations and, and, and all sorts um, it's uh, it's really really worth uh, worth a, a look. Um, it's very very well done and very well edited. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty crazy. Um, Sounds it. Have you? Yeah. Uh, have you seen any of the any any fan films of Dresden Files? No, no, I saw a post on um one of the Jim Butcher groups the other day, like mentioning all of them, and I was like, oh, I should check this out for the podcast, and then just. Time happened, and now we're here, and I haven't done any of that. <laughs> uh, time always happens like that. Um, <laughs> it's really cool to see that Jim is supporting these people. Yeah, I like an author that engages the um, fans. I mean, I think, I think a lot of the authors we're into like are really engaging with their fan base. I mean, off the top of my head, people like um, Brandon Sanderson, especially, he's pretty known for it as far as i know um terry pratchett to an extent apparently he hated signings but <laughs> when i met him at a signing i was like 13 14 years old and he came across as a really really chill dude really friendly um but yeah <laughs> apparently according to neil gaiman signings stress him out so he might not enjoy, he, it might be the whole like he might not enjoy the whole setting up of signings but he was happy to engage with fans. I mean, I know that he appeared at a lot of the uh, Discworld cons and stuff like that as well. Yeah. But, yeah. But it's, it's cool to see that people like Jim Busher as well are really engaging with their fans, especially at the moment. Definitely. And I think um, it's such a great way to approach, like, a book release, um, like using kind of community generated resources and stuff in, in these times particularly um with it, with everything going on and maybe it, it's harder to get uh like video reels and uh concept art and all that sort of stuff generated um it's super cool that, that he can fall back on the community and he can trust the community uh, to produce such great content and at the same time uh that the community are willing to kind of be featured like this and and then that it can it can lead to, like in the case of the, the fan films that have been made, 
it can lead to careers being started mm-hmm. and, and that sort of thing. Um, it's a great ecosystem. Yeah, I guess. Um, and and something that that like at the Paranet podcast we 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 very much want to want to be part of. Um, and it's great to see all these things kind of building around. Um, again, apologies if you can hear cars in the background of my recording. Um, it is still baking hot in Britain, uh, so I am not closing that window. Um, I feel like that that's the the stubbornness that Dresden would would applaud. Hopefully, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> on a on a side note, I mean, what are you reading at the moment besides Dresden? Uh, yeah. Um, in the last week, uh, it's been I've been fairly quiet on the reading front, um, but uh, kind of kind of the the, the biggest one uh, I mentioned a few weeks ago that I was reading uh, Made to Stick, uh, mm-hmm. which is a, a kind of marketing book because that's my my kind of day job is that I, I do marketing for for an airport, um, and yeah. Um, I'm coming towards the end of that, um, and if anyone is interested in kind of marketing or just kind of what makes ideas memorable from like a psychological standpoint, um, it's it's super interesting because um, it's it's all about engaging with um, the things that people care about, like how how do you make someone remember how like a friggin a bank loan works well you you start thinking about what would they use the loan for mm. and the emotionality of it and and kind of putting it in a real life situation that they actually care about um and 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 yeah it, it's it's super cool and there's loads of really great um examples uh, in the book of like what made uh, what makes ideas stick out and how everyone from like presidents and prime ministers have used great ideas to get elected uh to like how um there was a great one that i was was reading today that was um basically a bunch of different people were trying to get um a contract with disney world to work with disney uh when they were looking to kind of technologically revolutionize and stuff um and this one company um instead of just producing like a powerpoint presentation they produced like an art installation, uh, mm. and it was all around this this family. Um, I think they called them the Ferraris because this company had something to do with Ferrari. Yeah. Uh, so we'll say it's the Ferrari family, and um, it took it, it. You you went in to this art art installation. It started with the Ferrari family at home, and they were like a no, a normal family and stuff, and them seeing the advert for Disney, and then uh, there was like an iPad and stuff, and they were able to book things online. Um, but in a very like Disney-fied way, and then it showed them like, it, uh, and then you went into a different room, and you were like in the middle of uh, Disney World, like obviously they just had like pictures on the walls and stuff and all that sort of thing, um, and like a greeter met you and took like a picture of you and stuff, and you got like a unique ID and things like that. You went into like the next room and like uh, you got to sit in like a roller coaster car and like have a picture taken with you and stuff, and it went all the way through, and then you went it went to the end. Um, and uh, it was back in the family's room the day that they got back from vacation, and already um, they had an email waiting for them with all their family photos, and it showed all the albums in the room changed to reflect their Disney photos, 
and um, it's just it's super cool and brings that like emotionality all the way through it uh, and shows like that this technology could be important on like an emotional level for families. Of course, they got the Disney contract for this. Um, it made it uh, really like technological solutions, super concrete and re- really easy to understand. Um, and we are way off topic from Dresden Files, but um, <laughs> that that was um, that was really awesome. And and uh, the company that did that as well, they did it in 20 days. They created this art installation. It went from like their first ideas, uh, which is 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 incredible. And and all of that was around. They they sat down and were like, how can we stand out? And it was about putting the family first at Disney. Um, and from there, they, they, they hit the jackpot immediately. And, and that's super cool. Nice. I mean, um, kind of following from that, I've, I mean, I'll say I've just read this like a year ago. I was reading, um, oh, I can't remember what it's called now. Uh, David, o- o- uh, David Ogilvy's book, Ogilvy on Advertising, I think it's called. Oh yeah, yeah. I was reading that alongside. Fuck sake, why can't I remember the name of these books? Some other book by another like ad guy from the sixties, Luke Gossage. Like okay, yeah. It, it's just like kind of what you were saying about the whole breakdown of the process, how how you go from like, I know the start of a project to the end of the project. I it's it's fascinating reading that stuff, and it kind of. <laughs> inappropriate it gives me a massive boner because like it, it's just fascinating seeing how like people go from a, a really small idea and then taking it from like that point to the end product and how and it's especially with, with stuff like ogilvy and gossage where it's from like a product like i know like the first ford car for example back in like the 40s or some shit like that and it's it's just seeing how and how it affected business back then, how it affected the company from that point to now as well, when you really think about it and dig into it, it's fascinating. Definitely, definitely. Um, it, it's, and, and, and I think in, in like a, a crazy way, um, there, is a, there is a relation to Justin Files uh, in an attempt to, to bring it back. And that, <laughs> um, like... He, Jim Butcher does a really, really good job of distilling a particular type of fantasy. Yeah. Um, and and he and the idea of Justin Files is very simple when you get down to it. It is a noir detective story with wizards. Um, and and he takes the idea and then expands and iterates upon it and looks at okay, well, if it's no other text of story of wizards, what does a damsel in distress look like in this world? Or, on the other side of things, what does a vampire look like in this noir world? Um, and it, it kind of... It feels right um, when... I think we, talk, we talked a while back about, like, uh, dragons in the Dresden Files. Yeah. Um, there, there's, there's a dragon that turns up at, at a party in the later book. Um, and as soon as it turns up, it, it could have been like a massive break in um, the uh, oh god uh, su- when you suspend your disbelief. It could have been it could have been a big break in, in your suspension of disbelief. Um, but 
Jim Butcher had, had had this had this very simple idea, noir detective story with wizards, and and he worked out okay, well in a world with wizards you have a dragon, so that feels natural. In a world of wizards you also in, in a noir detective story you also have very rich aristocratic uh, kind of crime bosses or powerful people, and he married those two concepts together, mm. and so you got. Uh, the noir detective story of wizards, aristocratic dragon, works perfectly. Um, and so when, when that hits the page and when you read it, um, it feels right and it hits that that core of Dresden Files. And as you read it, you're just like, of course, that 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 that, <laughs> that makes sense. Um, and and I think that's that's the power of. Jim Butcher's idea, and I think from like a marketing standpoint, yeah, um, it's that simplicity um, that makes Justin Files so compelling and so powerful. Yeah, kind kind of relevant and following on from you know what I'm reading and the whole marketing thing as well. Um, I'm currently, as you know, and everyone else who listens know, I've been reading. I started reading Wheel of Time a few weeks ago. I'm about fifty pages off yeah. finishing the first book, but um. I was talking to my mum. Oh man, I got to like the halfway point, and and I was like, "Holy shit, this is incredible." Um, <laughs> but uh, I was talking to my mum the other day, and she was like, "Oh, what are you reading at the moment?" I was like, "Oh, Wheel of Time," and she's like, "I don't know it. What's it about?" And I had to sum it up in a sentence. Um, and I posted on uh, there's a podcast I listen to called The Wheel Weaves, which is kind of similar to what we're doing but for wheel of time um and i posted in the discord group saying my mum's just asked what the series is about how do i sum this up in a sentence and someone posted a, a comment from robert jordan where he was asked to sum up the wheel of time in six words and he says cultures clash worlds change cope and then he says i'm going to stick to five words because I don't want to be too wordy. <laughs> and um, a little challenge for us, for maybe by the end of this episode, is if, if like, give an elevator pitch of Dresden Files, like, sum up in a sentence. So something to think about okay. there. <laughs> see, if, see what we come up with at the end of this uh, episode, maybe. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm all up for that. <laughs> Very cool. Cool. Now I'm panicking. Um... So, yeah. So, um, uh, as you're nearing the end of the first Wheel of Time book, are you going to take the series forwards? Oh, most definitely. I mean, I, I bought the first three books back when we were in, I think just before third year started, and I made the mistake of starting to read it then. And then, as, as you know, third year was horrible. So I, I read a few chapters of the first book and then stopped. And was like, I don't have time mm. for this bullshit. Um so I'm kind of taking advantage of lockdown to finally start it. And I, I, I've also got the first three books on Audible as well. So I'm kind of, that's why I'm speeding through it so quick. Because I'm listening to it like when I'm going, like walking, running or whatever. And then when I'm at home and Kerry's reading or doing something else, I'll also be reading it in print. So it's hella fun. Um, yeah, I mean, that said, I, I do want to kind of, take a break in between the books to catch up with Dresden as well, because I've got Cold Days and Skin Game to read 
preferably before the yep. next book comes out. And I realise I've got just over a month until Peace Talks. Yeah, it's like nearing 40 days. It's like half Christmas, nearly, kind of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, awesome. Who who does the audiobooks? Um, I th- think I mentioned them last week. Michael Kramer and Kate Redding, reading his wife. Um, they're known for yes, doing. Yes, you did. Yeah, like I mean, their narration is incredible. I can see why like they're well respected throughout the fantasy community. And especially when they're known for, like, if you check out their audiobooks on Audible or anywhere else, they do a lot of the fantasy stuff. Like they do all of, I think, near all of the um, Brandon Sanderson, Mistborn stuff, all of the Stormlight archives so far. And Kate Redding or Reading, however you pronounce it, did the um, audiobooks for Jim Butcher's other series, Codex Alaria. So I'm sure that's worth checking out. Oh, awesome. So it, it does all, everything is connected. Yep, <laughs> the wheel turns. Nineteen. <laughs> <laughs> um, which, of course, is a reference to another series that uh, we both love, uh, The Dark Tower. The greatest series of all time. <clears throat> Maybe. I, I can honestly say it, it is one of my favourite fantasy series, if not my favourite. Um, closely rivaled by Dresden Files and Lord of the Rings. Nice. Um, but uh, yeah, if if you're looking for if if you don't fancy Wheel of Time, although Wheel of Time sounds awesome, and, and I definitely want to give it give it a read. Um, yeah, uh, then cannot recommend Dark Tower enough. Uh, absolutely awesome uh, book series. It's Stephen King's approach to epic fantasy. And I think the second book in that series, uh, Drawing of the Free, might be my favourite book of all time. I can understand that. I'm not even Definitely. sure why, because I've been I was reading it rereading it back in January. It's like that book that I go through whenever I don't have anything to read, I just kind of read a few pages of it. And the story, everything about that book is just cocaine. <laughs> you can tell that Stephen King was at the peak of his cocaine addiction at that point, because it is fucking mental. Yeah, and and that, that's kind of um, it, it's kind of what's awesome about it as well. I think is that um, it is unlike any other fantasy that I've come across, at least. Yeah, same. Um, which uh, it's kind of a, an incredible strength of it. Um, I guess it if you if you take Lord of the Rings as the nat- as like a a European fantasy. Mm. Then I guess uh, Dark Tower is an American fantasy novel. Yeah, that's kind of where a bunch of Wheel of Time as well is, and it takes a lot of the groundwork Tolkien laid and kind of expands on it, does it in its own way. Yeah. So, in Wheel of Time, is it medieval Dungeons and Dragons style, or is the. Um, uh... I'd say that the, the closest I. Honestly, I think. Very, I mean, it, it, I don't know if it'll branch out further, but at the moment, I would compare it most to Lord of the Rings in terms of world building, and to an extent, the setting, but maybe remove all okay. of the dwarves, elves, and stuff like that. So it's very like human 
Yeah. Based. Yeah, definitely. Okay. I yeah. will. Uh, the art, the artwork that I'm seeing, uh, I've just searched it. Uh, the artwork seems mostly kind of medievally. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, it looks interesting. I will, um, I will send I you the first book. Give it, give it a go. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and uh, the the other thing that I'm I'm still plowing on with is the the Horus Heresy stuff uh, from oh, uh, yeah uh, from Warhammer. Um, so I finished uh, the Battle for the Abyss, um, which was was really really good. Um, like kind of way better than it than it had any right to be. It's just uh, I guess like a tying novel. Mm. Uh, to to a, a, a miniature battle game, uh, but it, it was it was super interesting um, and it very much looks like culture clash and um, it, it's it's a real like uh, magnificent seven story of like these different men from different backgrounds coming together to take down this one really horrendous starship, I guess. Nice. Um, and and how they each have to like compromise and come together, um, and it, and it does a really really good job a job of feeling you you understand like what's at stake if these men fail, and you understand what each of them is kind of willing to give, um, and and there's some great moments where it's like I I know that if this person crosses that line everything's gonna go crazy and then they do it. And you're like, oh my god. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, that that's really cool. Kind of, this, I guess it's it's a sci-fi fantasy, um, 40k because it's it's more down the Star Wars route, I guess, than like the Star Trek route. So it's not very pure sci-fi, uh, and there is like a kind of magic um, at play. Uh, so uh, it, it kind of falls into the fantasy realm. Um, and it, it's really cool. It's really good. Um, definitely worth uh, worth checking out. Oh, will do. Cool. We have we have successfully waffled quite a bit today. Yeah, I hope <laughs> I hope there's maple syrup because so far this ain't nothing but waffle. <laughs> <laughs> um, but part of that is because uh, we don't have that much to talk about uh, in the latter half of our show. Yeah. Um, the uh, chapters 19 to 21 are very, very quick, very, very punchy. Uh, and I think it's kind of time we, we move over to them. Yeah. Uh, and then we can talk about it. Um, cool. So, moving over to uh, Stormfront and our, our uh, Dresden Files book club uh, part. Um, so, last time in Stormfront... Um, we read chapters 16 to 18. Um, Dresden got uh, jumped once again. Uh, he went and faced off uh, with Marcone. Uh, Marcone tried to give him some information, um, but also kind of explained his position with Dresden and the whole kind of une uneasy alliance side of things. Um, and, and no matter what happened, that Marcone was going to come out on top. Um, then uh, Dresden hit the mean streets of Chicago, uh, where um... sorry, <laughs> just blurting out Chicago in a voice. 
<laughs> that's Sorry. all good. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's cool. Um, I'm all for kind of like a a jazz scat approach to um, <laughs> chapter recaps. Uh, <laughs> Um, awesome, yeah, uh, so, um, Hit the Mean Streets, uh, recounted a little bit about, uh, his history and, uh, his parentage, uh, and, and about his dad and why his dad was important, uh, to him, uh, and at the end of the chapter, uh, he ended up crashing at Lisa Randall's, uh, apartment, um, which uh, and everything kind of seemed hopeless. Uh, he definitely felt like he he was at the the bottom of his kind of uh, power. Uh, the White Council are going to come and kill him. Murphy is def is against him in, in some ways. Um, he has no leads. He doesn't know what to do. Um, and um, it's kind of that that like end of the second act, uh, beginning of the third act moment. Um, and then uh, and then we hit chapter 19. And Rob, do you want to take it away? Yeah, so with uh, chapter 19, Dresden wakes up in... Is it Lisa or Linda? Because I'm uh, not... <laughs> that's a good question. Uh, yeah. uh, Linda? I'm going to go with Linda, because I'm, I'm sure it was Linda. Bet I'll... No, I can't be asked to check. Um, he wakes up in uh, Dresden. Wakes up in Linda or Lisa Randall's apartment, um, and he's woken by a photographer who's you know, worming around the place, tampering and destroy, like taking up evidence and stuff like that. So Dresden, like, you know, goes up to him and is like, you know, like flashes his little detective license and is like, "What are you doing? Tell me more." And the photographer's trying to link Randall's death, Randall's death, with um Monica Sell's suspicions. Hey, Randall. Randall. Awesome, thank you. <laughs> the photographer <laughs> trying to make a link between Linda Randall's death and, like, trying to link that with the suspicions of Monica Sell's husband, um, thinking it's all connected and all that kind of stuff. Um, the photographer also realizes that. You know, Harry isn't a police officer and that's bullshit. And Harry's like, yeah, but I know the police. <laughs> I work with them. Um, yeah, uh, upon realising that maybe this is all connected with Monica Sells, uh, Harry rocks up at her house. We're in Chapter 20 now, by the way. Um, rocks up at Monica Sells' house and she begins to explain, you know, her husband uses other people's emotions to fuel his magic, which explains the whole murder at the beginning of the story, I guess. Uh, with yeah. the Marcones Duke Goon and oh, what's her faces woman? Um Bianca's. Thank you, Bianca, yeah. All I could think of was Monica and I'm like, no, that's not right. <laughs> um yeah, we find out a bit more about Victor Sells, like he abuses Monica. Um he finds out that like the, the emotion he gets to fuel his magic gets a little bit better from, you know, kind of victimizing his victims and all that kind of stuff, abusing them. Um, and at this, at the point where Monica decided to go to Dresden about it was when Victor started contemplating using his children 
to yeah. power of magic. Um, and it, like I say, it was at that point when Monica decided to go to Dresden be like, as a kind of, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? As a kind of backup, I guess, just in case he did started, you know, using his children to fuel his magic. Um, and we we end that chapter with Monica feeling quite certain that Dresden will be Victor's next victim. Um, after all, he has. Yeah. Presumably it's him who has the snag of Dresden's hair, and we know full well there's a lightning storm coming this way, so I guess the pieces are in place. Um, Let me roll into chapter 21. As Harry is leaving Monica's house, he's stopped by a daughter, um, and she asks, you know, Harry, what what are you going to do? And Harry kind of breaks it down to her softly. Um... (laughs) Um, yeah, it's quite an interesting chapter because I, f- I feel we get a bit more from Monica going into the whole he can't he he can't use children I won't allow it blah 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 and Harry again being that kind of righteous solid dude being like don't worry he ain't gonna do shit um, at this point I can't remember if he worked out that the scorpion talisman was part of it so he, he tries to contact Murphy. Reaches Carmichael instead. Um, due to wizard interference on the phone line, Carmichael can't understand shit. But he he blurts out, you know, um, mistaking Dresden for a police officer uh, within the squad. Yeah. He's like, oh, if if you're trying to find Murphy or whatever, she's gone down to uh, Harry Dresden's place with a warrant. Um, yeah, and again, Harry remembers the scorpion talisman from a couple of chapters ago. Um, he finally gets uh, and she is pissed um, yeah, mm-hmm. back and forth where he's again trying to kind of cover what's really going on to protect her um, being, you know, being like you know, don't don't go into draw don't talisman blah 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 blah, blah. Um, naturally she goes into the draw with it in the line goes dead we hear gunshots and then we're left on probably the biggest cliffhanger of this book so far. Yeah, um, I think at this at this point in the series, it would have been very possible for Mur- for this to be the end of Murphy, really. Yeah, definitely. Um, and uh, it's very like, um, if if you're at all invested invested in the character by this point, that. That moment is just like, oh, okay, things are going about to get real serious. Um, awesome. Uh, so, so did you enjoy? Did you enjoy the, the chapters? I did. It was very like like we were saying. I think last week and maybe the week before, and um, we're at that point in the book now where shit's hitting the fan, and it's sending all the shit flying everywhere. Um, yeah, it's it's very fast paced, breakneck speed. It's it's probably the thing that I associate most with the Dresden Files series is it gets to a certain point, all hell breaks loose, and it's you can't put the book down until you're finished with it. We're we're at we're definitely at that point, and I love it. Yeah, uh, we we call it the butcher lunch. The butcher lunch. Um, the butcher lunch. 
uh, which uh, is, is a great term for it. It's, it's where just like, it's so fast and um, there's so much happening and, and you just have to keep reading. Um, and I think Jim only gets better at pulling it off. Um, but um, it's, it's great here uh, and it definitely is, is in full effect. Um, I would say. Definitely, man. Uh, I, I, I really enjoyed these chapters. Um, I felt like the the big reveal that the two main cases kind of of the book are all related. Um, it it was kind of e- easy-ish to see it coming. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's it's really cool that it all pays off and you can see how everything is connected. Um, I think the the photographer is is quite a fun kind of moment because uh, even when Dresden's feeling so low and kind of before we go into this this big kind of crescendo of all of all this action, um, it's quite a funny moment. Um, and it, and uh, the way that like Dresden kind of uses his uh, or, uh police authority and stuff, even though his badge is no longer really uh worth anything mm. um the way he trips the photographer works really really well uh and uh the the reaction of the photographer like he's quite like a, a sarcastic guy um and and that's fun because it's kind of dresden rubbing up against another kind of uh stubborn uh guy um and there's there's kind of like a moment where they're both kind of messing with each other um that, that that's very fun uh, and then it gets back into the serious stuff with monica and stuff um i really really enjoyed the, the short conversation between harry and monica sells daughter Same. um partly because it shows the difference between harry and victor sells because monica has, has just revealed that victor was considering using the kids um and it kind of shows that he's willing to cross the line of like using innocence in magic, which is uh, a super duper no no, um, as far as Dresden's concerned. Um, and it also shows the compassion that Dresden has for, for kind of children and stuff. Um, and and a kind of running thing through the the whole Dresden files when it comes to Harry and dealing with children. Um, he believes he's very bad at it. Uh, when, it, when when dealing with children um, and in truth I think he's quite good at dealing with children um, whether it's it's uh, the carpenter children or um, much later in the series uh, relatives of, of his own um, it, it's really interesting um, to he worries so much about protecting innocence uh and he places so much importance on childhood partly because his childhood was um ruined i guess or was very dark at least um and it's it's great to see like how much he cares for for childhood mm. um and yeah that conversation like i mean essentially that kid is saying, are you going to kill my dad? I understand you need to. I understand that he's bad. 
yeah. but he used to be a good guy. Can it can that buy him some kind of leeway with you? Um, and Harry's response is basically, I I understand that he was he was a good guy. I understand that um, he's a he's a person. He's important. Um, I'm not gonna kill him unless I absolutely have to. Um, and it it kind of I feel like this moment more than anything else sh- shows Harry is a good or a force for good, a good person. I think it says a lot as well because I think there's a line I can't remember if he says it aloud or if it's like an internal monologue type thing. But from what we know about the White Council already, we know that if if they got Victor Sells first, it would just be instantly put to death. Yeah. Whereas Harry's more compassionate. He's he won't kill him unless he has to. Exactly. Um, and I think that's it. It shows it shows why Harry. It, it just encapsulates the character so well. It shows why he has problems with the White Council. It shows why um, the, the why he makes so many choices that he makes. Um, I think. I think this is one of the best the, the best kind of points in this book uh, yeah. for that. Um, and and it, it kind of picks out some themes from Restoration of Faith as well, um, which is cool. Uh, and, and, I, and I like that. Um, and it shows that this was always kind of where, where Jim Butcher wanted the character and, and um, it, it shows kind of like that the best way, uh, the best way to kind of for Dresden to open up and stuff is is around children. He he's he's very honest when it comes to children, uh, and I think that's 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 really cool. Um, so uh, another aspect that we wanted to talk about uh, was uh, I'm just going through. Um, so we talked about everything dying together. We talked about uh, Harry and children. Uh, we've talked about uh, the Scorpion kind of that it, it was set up and um, it's a nice like plan some payoff, check off gun kind of thing um, so I guess kind of the, the only other thing I wanted to bring up we don't really see Monica Sells much past this in the book, mm-hmm. uh, in fact I'm not even sure that she appears again I don't think um, I don't remember yeah um how do you feel about her as a character? I mean, eh, like <laughs> she she's there to kind of move the plot forward. Like she introduces the whole investigation, and we find out she's part of it. And then there's the scenes that we have in this these chapters where it's kind of moving the story along. So I I guess the character does what is needed. Of her. Yeah. If that makes sense. I know I'm trying not to be too harsh. <laughs> I I feel like it, it's quite stereotypical in a way, like the, the abused wife trope. Yeah. Um I guess. Um and the there's almost like uh a part of that trope, um that's like 
oh, she actually comes out stronger the other side of this. Um, and I guess like the moment for Monica Sells is where she decides that she's gonna she's gonna bring Dresden in and, and kind of when she tells Dresden about everything. Um, but on the other hand, uh, it's really cool that, that she has that cool maybe not the right word, but it's good it's good uh, character development in that uh, it, at the end of telling him all this, she's kind of like. Yeah, okay, I've, I've had my moment of defiance, I've told you what's going on and stuff. Um, it doesn't matter though, uh, my my husband is all-powerful um, and you are going to die. Yeah. Um, which, I think I think that's much more realistic depiction, I guess, of, a, of, an, uh, uh, of someone who has been through abuse. Yeah. Uh, than just being like, yeah, like, let's go get the bastard, because I, I, that's not, to me, that's not real, I guess. Yeah. Um, uh, like, Beverly Marsh in It is a bit like that, um, just to some degree, where she, she like, she's uh, she is abused by her husband, and then basically... From that point, seems to be very like, yeah. But now I'm I'm stronger and I'm gonna kick ass. Hmm. Um, that being said, that the Stephen King does does do some good moments where he plays on kind of her her abuse and history of abuse. But um, I I I think um, it's a very difficult subject for any writer to to approach, and um, especially if you haven't been the victim of of abuse, which I. I've never seen anything say that Jim Butcher has been. Uh, and, and I think uh, he deals with it quite well. Definitely. Agreed. Um, awesome. Yeah, and, and, I, and I think the, the point with the, the kids coming, uh, like, that, that was the point that kind of snapped her out of it all. Uh, yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Um. And like that, that mothering instinct kind of overpowering all the, all the psychological damage that's been done to her. Um, I also I like the the whole three eye, um, section in relation to to Monica sells. So, uh, Victor sells gives Monica uh, a dose of the three eye drug, um, to basically allow her to see the world through. Uh, the wizard site mm. um, and it explains how it, it traumatised her and it hurt her but at the same time uh, she she explains how addictive it is yeah. um, and it, it's really interesting as we as look at all kind of magic users in the Dresden Files I mean there, there is only one magic user I can think of that Found that they had the site and then gave it up, and that's Charity Carpenter. And everyone else, as soon as they find it out, they they have to continue. It's it's so alluring, um, and as as magic would be, if you found out you, that you were a wizard, um, it would be very hard to give up that power in any capacity. I think. Oh, definitely. Agreed on that. Yeah. Point. Um, so yeah, I, I think, I think that's, that's really all, all I've ever seen. 
on that. These these were very, very short chapters. Uh, again, um, and I think this is kind of a reoccurring theme as we get towards the end of books, um, that the chapters speed up. Maybe in, maybe in later books we'll, we'll look at doing a few more chapters in one episode or, or what have you. Um, but I think for now, the, the kind of break of the language is working really well. Um, yeah, is there anything else that you wanted to bring up, Rob? Not really. I mean, we've there wasn't much to really cover this week. Like you say, with the chaps being quite short and it's going at the pace it is, I feel we've covered it as best we can, really. Yeah. Um, are you looking forward to the, the next couple? Oh, definitely. I'm looking forward to finishing it, which sounds bad. But, I mean, I'm looking forward to the Stormfront finale because I can barely remember it because I get it confused with the second book. Yeah, and I'm super looking forward to getting on to Full Moon. Um, as there's some, there's some awesome moments as we as we get across there. Um, so that, that's been really really cool. I don't think there's any short stories in between. No, I I will double check just in case. But as far as no, I don't think there's any short stories up until I think after the third book maybe. Like I said, I wouldn't bet my life on it. I could be wrong. Yeah. No, we will, we'll have to have a look into it. Um, so, yeah, so... Um, do you want to take it out, Rob? Yeah. Um, review us on iTunes. Download us on Spotify. Spread with your friends. Share us with your mum. Yeah, crack open a can of Coke. Enjoy the rest of lockdown, and we'll see you next week for the next three chapters of Stormfront. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Rob Davis and Patrick Love. Fantastic. We'll see you next week. Bye.